Yo, what's up, guys? Uh, happy Friday. I hope you had a great week. Let's get into this Friday wrap-up. Let's jump right into this. Um, not a whole lot to discuss in terms of fights. Of course, we know Tiafimo Lopez is coming back. We could chop that up if you guys want. You know, the unfortunate thing is with the um, with the fights around this time of year, you pretty much know who's going to win. As I've stated all summer long, most of the matchups you're going to see right now in the dog days of summer are stay busy type of fights. In the case of Tiafimo Lopez, it's get back in the ring kind of fights. That's what we saw with Virgil Ortiz Jr. last weekend. It's guys who haven't been in the ring for a while getting back in the ring. And then it's, you know, developmental fights for prospects and stuff. So we kind of know who's going to win. We could talk about Tiafimo Lopez if you guys want. We could talk about how to bet that fight. There's really only a couple ways to bet it. You know it's going to happen, right? Um, for me, the, the interesting news this week is related to the heavyweight division. So uh, Tyson Fury just announced for the 2734th time that he's retiring. And obviously that number is ridiculous, right? The number 200 or 2734, that's ridiculous. It's probably more than that. I mean, this guy has retired more times than Bill Cosby has raped women. Seriously. Uh, not to make light of Bill Cosby being a serial rapist, probably the worst serial rapist in human history. Not to make light of that. I'm just trying to make a point. Uh, Tyson Fury retires a lot. But Mauricio Suleiman of the WBC uh, made an announcement. And, you know, apparently this time it's official. So let's take Tyson Fury at his word. Now, do I really believe he's retired? Of course not. I know you guys don't believe that either, but there is a situation here where the WBC title might open up because Mauricio Suleiman has taken this seriously. And that has implications on the division. Also, Ring Magazine, uh, several of you guys have tweeted about this, and um, I've already brought it up with several members of the Ring editorial board, and we'll talk with the Ring Ratings Committee this weekend about it. If Tyson Fury truly has retired and we're taking him at his word, well, that means next weekend, August 20th, the rematch between Alexander Usyk and Anthony Joshua is the number one versus number two matchup in the division. And I don't want to hear any of you motherfuckers out there saying Deontay Wilder's rated number two, not Anthony Joshua. Shut up. Just stop. And I don't want to hear any other name. The two top heavyweights in the world right now, as it stands, if Tyson Fury is truly retired, are Oleksandr Usyk and Anthony Joshua. And that should be a rather undisputed opinion. I don't think what I'm saying is crazy. So should the Ring Magazine Heavyweight Championship of the World be on the line next Saturday in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia? I want to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Because believe me, I'll bring it to the committee now. I've brought several things to the committee this year that have been voted down, okay? Uh, you, you guys know that I share most of them on the show, not all of them, but most of them. Uh, several of my suggestions have been voted down, but I have brought suggestions to the committee at times over the last few years, and um, some of my suggestions have been accepted. So I think it's worth bringing up, and I think if enough of you guys voice your opinion on this, I think you know the members of the, <clears throat> the committee will listen. Anyway, serious implications in the heavyweight division and uh, sticking with the heavyweights. It was also announced this week. It's not officially official, but the PBC publicists uh, in the media have pretty much shared that Deontay Wilder will fight Robert Hellenius 
in October, I believe. It'll be in the fourth quarter. Um, I can't remember if a venue is determined or not. It's it's to be determined, I believe. But we know it's going to be pay-per-view. I think Fox pay-per-view. So you're going to get uh, pay-per-view number 375 of the PBC in the last couple of years, uh, post-pandemic, by the way. Record inflation. Go ahead and pop up that uh, 75 bucks. They're giving you a break. It's not 80 bucks. It's 75 bucks, these last few pay-per-views. So, you know, there's that. But um, I, I have to share this this uh, poll I did on Twitter. You guys know I love my Twitter polls. I'm actually surprised this didn't get more votes. Uh, that, to me, is the most... I don't know, jarring part of this, but I tweeted, uh, in your opinion, is Wilder Hellenius a pay-per-view worthy fight? And not even 700 people voted, only 692 people voted. I've done polls that get thousands of votes. That kind of tells you where the interest level is for this fight. Now, now I know um, Deontay Wilder is a popular fighter and there will be interest to see him fight, but the fact that this didn't get thousands of responses kind of tells me, I mean, it's only got five retweets, 16 likes. Th- this is a very low tweet uh, in terms of the the um, impressions and the, the the uh, what is it, well, activity. I can't think today. The activity on the tweet um, compared to several other tweets of mine just in the last few days. So why such a, a low re- you know, response? But uh, 692 votes, right? And 10% of you just over 10% of you, 10.4% to be exact, said it's definitely pay-per-view worthy, which means there are 70 morons out there who are wrong. And uh, the rest of you, about 90%, said absolutely not. So I say this because we're talking about the heavyweight division right now, number one. Number two, if the WBC really does open things up and um, Tyson Fury you know, gives up his belt and it becomes vacant, you know damn well that Mauricio Suleiman and the PBC, they're business partners. They are going to, if they don't make Wilder Hellenius for the vacant WBC belt, it'll at least be for an eliminator for the vacant belt. You, you know they're going to involve the title in this fight, absolutely, and that's going to be part of the selling feature for PBC to the Rubes is, hey, this is a title fight. Deontay Wilder has a chance to grab the title again, right? And that's going to be a way for uh, them to market to, to the rubes, to the to the yokels, as I call them, the simpletons. Um, and again, I'm not saying any of this to beat up on Deontay Wilder or Robert Hellenius, but how could any of you out there believe that this is a pay-per-view worthy fight? Now, I, I did see some responses from people saying things like, Mike, Deontay Wilder is a pay-per-view fighter, so he fights on pay-per-view. So, yes, this is a pay-per-view-worthy fight. Uh, That sounds like you're being a promoter. I'm asking you to talk as a fan. As a fan, is this a pay-per-view-worthy fight? And then some of you said things like, um, well, not normally, but in this era, it qualifies. Again, you're talking like a promoter. And then some of you said, well... They have to justify paying Deontay Wilder his purse demands, so they got to go pay-per-view. Again, you're talk- all of you are talking like promoters. When the fuck did boxing fans start talking like promoters? When did that happen? I don't understand. 90% of you asked, answered this question as a fan, okay? And there's a lot of you who said it's absolutely not pay-per-view worthy, but I'm a boxing degenerate and I love Deontay Wilder, so I'm going to fucking buy it. Boom! 
Now you're talking like a fan. Now you're talking like a boxing degenerate who can't say no. You're not talking like a promoter there. And it's the it's the fans who talk like promoters that annoy the shit out of me sometimes with, with stuff like this. Real quick, guys. I mean, I don't have to talk about Deontay Wilder coming off two devastating losses where he was dropped multiple times. May have won three rounds total in his last two fights. If you go back to the three fights with uh, Fury, in three fights, he may have won eight rounds, nine rounds, if you're being generous, right? So I'm just looking at Robert Hellenius's resume. And this guy went pro in 2008 and fought uh, mostly in Germany early on, uh, a little bit of his homeland too, but uh, mostly in Germany. And he was seen as a legit prospect for a while. He was fighting guys who were like, way past their prime, but who had names, right? He fought Sam Peter a few years into his pro career, Sergei Lykovich, Derek Chisora, even guys like Sherman Williams, you know, Lehman Brewster's in there too, uh, guys that boxing fans know, right? And he won all these fights. Now, some of them he struggled with. Some of them he looked really, really good. Then he went up against Johan Duapas in, uh, in 2016 and was dropped twice in that fight and knocked out. And then he kind of hasn't been the same. Now, he, he did have some injuries and things like that, some inactivity. But um, when he went in there against Dillian White, he actually went the distance. But Dillian White is so inconsistent in his performances, it's hard to ever know what you're going to get with him. But in 2019, he was, Hellenius was, uh, knocked out by Gerald Washington. Gerald Washington knocked him out. And uh, he was, the, the fight was close. At the time of the stoppage, Hellenius was up on two scorecards and down on the third. But all three scorecards were 67-66 at the time of that stoppage. So seven rounds into a fight with Gerald Washington, he was neck and neck. And you just don't think, you know, if you think pay-per-view worthy, top heavyweight contender, you're not going to struggle like that. No disrespect to Gerald. I, I've spent time with Gerald and he's an awesome guy. And, you know, for a guy that came to boxing later on, he boxed as a kid, but, you know, came to boxing seriously later on. He's done very, very well for himself, but he's not, he's never been an elite level heavyweight. And I wouldn't even say a gatekeeper level heavyweight. Right. And just a few years ago, Hellenius was knocked out by him. Now, that can happen in the heavyweight division. It happens. And to Hellenius's credit, he came back from that loss to Washington. And both in 2020 and 2021, he fought Adam Kovnachi and uh, stopped him both times. And th the Polish kid was undefeated at that time. But we just saw what Kovnachi did in his last fight. So I'm not so sure I would rate those wins super-duper highly. I would say top to bottom, the best win of Robert Hellenius's career was back in 2011 against Derek Chisora, a young, only 16 fights in Derek Chisora, who has improved by leaps and bounds since that time. And it was a split decision, I should remind everybody. And it was in Helsinki. It was in uh, his backyard. Okay, so, so that was his best win. That was 11 years ago, guys, 11 years ago. So even if you consider the Kavdachi wins to be his best wins, okay, that's fine. Um, I'll, I'll give you that. But still, Robert Hellenius and everything, you know, the Nordic nightmare, he, he's, he has made for some fun heavyweight fights, but he's straight up and down. He's wide open for right hands. And the PBC was grooming Adam Kovnachi for Deontay Wilder, right? That's that's the plan they were going for. Hellenius messed that up, so now he's the guy in there. 
it makes perfect sense the way they market Wilder, why they'd have him fight Hellenius. I get it. I totally get it. But is this a pay-per-view worthy fight? I just told you about Hellenius's career, okay? Quality guy. He's a top 20 heavyweight right now. You'd have to absolutely rate him as a top 20 heavyweight. Uh, hasn't fought at all yet this year. Has been sitting on ice, but neither is, is well, Wilder fought earlier in the year. But um, this guy hasn't fought at all. He's kind of been sitting on ice waiting for his opportunity. Uh, so he'll come in with a lot of ring rust. But Deontay Wilder coming off of two devastating losses they they weren't competitive i think a lot of people look at the third fight between fury and wilder as this super competitive fight outside of two rounds okay outside of those two rounds wasn't the most competitive fight in fact the last few rounds of that fight it was complete one-way traffic complete and utter one-way traffic so that is what wilder's done over the last few years and then what Hellenius has done this whole career and this is going straight to pay-per-view. I just think that's crazy. I, I don't see how this is a pay-per-view worthy fight. I know I'm probably alone in that, but um, it is what it is, as they say. Um, I, I, I could bring up the WBC ratings. I'm not going to do that. I'll just tell you guys. Right now, the WBC somehow rates Deontay Wilder number one. I don't understand that. And again, I'm not beating up on Deontay Wilder. But how can you be rated number one? when you have lost two fights in a row by knockout and done nothing in between that doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Um, but number two is I think Joe Joyce and number three is um, Joseph Parker. I might have that reversed. Don't shoot me. It, two and three are, are Parker and Joyce. They are going to fight this fall. All right. That's scheduled. I think that's in September. I think that, that's the one in Manchester in late September. So we know those two are going to fight. And then a month after that, Wilder's going to fight Hellenius in the United States. Um, if I'm the WBC, you know, I could see them maybe making the winners of those two fights fight for the vacant title. I think that'd be entertaining. And I think it'd be fair, uh, considering everything I just said. However, I highly doubt that happens. You guys got to also remember, Andy Ruiz is going to fight Luis Ortiz later this year. He should win that fight. Andy Ruiz should win that fight. All right. And the WBC would desperately, desperately love to have Andy Ruiz hold the WBC heavyweight belt. They'd love that, even more so than Deontay Wilder holding it. So he should factor into the mix at some point as well. I don't know what move they're going to make, but um, I would like to see. Again, the winner of the two fights coming up this fall, mandate that early next year for the vacant WBC heavyweight title. And it will, it will likely be Wilder versus Joyce. I'm picking Joe Joyce to beat Joseph Parker. Much more competitive fight than Wilder Hellenius. If Wilder has two-thirds left from what he had uh, going into that third Tyson Fury fight, that's enough to beat Hellenius and beat him by knockout in the first six rounds. And it's just a matter of styles. Hellenius is right there for the right hand, and he's going to get caught with it. Bottom line. Um, I, don't, I don't see Wilder outboxing him or knocking him out uh, with a body shot or something. It's going to be a big right hand, right? That's what Wilder does. And matchmaking for Wilder, you know, you have to get him in there with guys that are going to stand in front of him with their head on the line, just like Luis Ortiz did and other guys. And just be, you know, everybody has fought except for Tyson Fury. Uh, so, 
let's see that. Let's see those guys fight. Um, but I want to hear you guys' uh, opinion about the big heavyweight fight coming up in a week. Should the Usyk-Joshua rematch be for the Ring Magazine Heavyweight Championship? If you feel it should, I'll express that opinion with the Ring Ratings Committee. And I'll let them know, hey, guys, this isn't just my opinion. This is the opinion of my followers on Twitter. In fact, I could do a poll if you, you know, I can post another poll right now. Um, and I'll let them know that, you know, I, I brought it on my show. And, and a lot of people on the show, on the chat said, yes, it should be. So that's pretty much what's going on. Um, I could show, I share my screen again real quick and just show you guys the fight card this weekend. It's nothing to write home about. And then we can jump to some calls and we'll take a couple quick calls. I don't think we're going to have a super long show today, but I'm sharing my screen right now with the box rec um, schedule for the fight card this weekend, Saturday the 13th at uh, Resorts World Las Vegas in Nevada, of course. And this will be on ESPN. Uh, Tiafima Lopez making his jump up to 140 pounds to fight Pedro Campa. I previewed this fight and this card uh, on my, my podcast this week, and I didn't go into depth with all the bouts because, quite frankly, you kind of know the results of all of these. There really isn't a pick em fight on this card. Uh, perhaps, perhaps the pick em fight is Jose Enrique Durantes Vivas versus Eddie Valencia Mercado. That's a, a featherweight fight, eight-round featherweight fight that will be fairly competitive. Uh, I still think, you know, you know who's going to win that fight. Pretty much every other fight on this card is going to be one-way traffic. Zander Zayas on the card, uh, he's in there with a, you know, a fairly experienced opponent that they're bringing, I think, from Mexico. And so, that you know, he's going to get some rounds in. Kid's only, what, 19 or something like that. So I'm not going to be too upset about this level of opposition for him at this time. But they do have to start bumping it up a little bit. But that's the fight card right here, guys. Uh, obviously, I like Tiafima Lopez, and I like him to win big. And I, I like Zayas to win and win big. Both of them should win by knockout. Uh, knockout. Duke Reagan on the card, Troy Isley, several you know uh, the, the Olympians from the 2020 uh, American Olympic team that top rank signed. Top rank signed all of them. I, I really find that interesting that none of them went with PBC, Matrim, they all went with top rank. So that's, in my opinion, very, very interesting. I think that the, the word is out, and a lot of these kids coming up through the amateur system know who develops prospects better than the rest. All right, let's jump on the uh, chat real quick, and then I'll, I'll get a couple phones, a phone calls, I should say. I'm really having trouble thinking. Um this RBM guy, and I know he's probably an alt account, but he always comes on my videos and talks about the views on my YouTube videos. Uh, he says, 951 total views worldwide. Progo has shown very little growth over the last few years. Uh, then he says, Ring should be embarrassed. Well, number one, moron, this isn't Ring's channel. This is my channel. Uh, number two, if you look at my views on the YouTube channel on rings YouTube channel for my show and compare them to a lot of rings, other videos, my show outperforms most of them, the vast majority of them, uh, boxing video views are down across the board outside of a handful of channels that check boxes and have algorithm, um, bonus points. Okay. Um, independent content creators, which ring is, is, 
one. Uh, there's no corporate sponsor there. Uh, their views are down, dude, across the board. There's 5,000 different channels. If I'm getting, and you got to remember this too, my podcast, and then when I put uh, this Friday wrap-up out there also on, uh, I put both of them a lot of times on audio pods. They go out on Spreaker, iTunes, and all that kind of stuff. And I get thousands of downloads there. I get way more traffic with the audio pod specifically for the neutral corner. Let's just stick with that. I get way more traffic with the audio globally than I do with the video because there's only so many people that can watch the video live. And there's a lot of people who don't like watching YouTube. Uh, A lot of people prefer to listen to the audio. So you're on here, dude. And I don't know who you are, but you're obviously, you're obvious. If I clicked on your profile, it'd probably be the typical stuff. You're definitely an alt account and you're coming on here to talk your shit because you've made it up in your mind that you don't like me for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it up, brother. Keep it up. I'll just fucking block you. And then here he goes again with another one. God damn, this dude. I'm, I'm Now I'm curious who that guy is. I'm not going to spend any more time dealing with him, but I'm actually curious who that is. Anyway, uh, Aaron with the super chat. Thank you so much, Aaron. He says, yo, Mike. Cruiser is my favorite division, and in my honest opinion, perfect weight class. You know, real quick, Aaron, today's cruiserweight was yesterday's heavyweight. So when you look at the all-time great heavyweights, almost all of them would be fighting at cruiserweight today, or many of them. So I'm totally there with you. I mean, from a historical boxing nerd's viewpoint, cruiserweight is where it's at, man, in terms of the best blend of action, light heavyweight to cruiserweight. Anyway, uh, going back to his super chat, he says, does... No one take it seriously still because of the idea that they should be light heavies or just move up to heavy. Yeah, dude, uh, Cruiserweight has never caught on here, especially in the United States. It is very popular in Europe, but it's just one of those divisions. I mean, how many, we always talk about casual fans, right? Just a casual sports fan. If I use the term featherweight, flyweight, middleweight, welterweight, most casual fans have heard those terms. Now, maybe they've heard it in MMA or wrestling or, or kickboxing or whatever other martial art, but they've heard those terms. But when you say cruiserweight, that is just a boxing term. And the cruiserweight division was born in 1979. It was created by the WBC in 1979. So it's only about 40 years old. And if you look at the best champions it's had, They've pretty much all been non-American, except for Evander Holyfield, of course. But most of the champions, the top cruiserweights, have been from other parts of the world. So it just hasn't called on with the American media. I know you're in Australia. Uh, How many Australian cruiserweight champions have there been? You know what I'm saying? It's just one of those divisions that has just never truly caught on 100%. But I'm with you, man. Some of the best fights just in the last 10 years have been in that division. Um, a lot of great action because you get a lot more punches and movement than you get with most modern heavyweights today in the cruiserweight division. Yet those guys are big enough where they can really bang. And you get this interesting mix of styles. You you get guys from Cuba, from all over Europe, the UK, um, Africa, uh, Latin America, of course, the United States, of course. It's going to be really, really cool when you see some more Uh, Fighters from Asian countries in the cruiserweight division, when you have Chinese cruiserweights, Japanese cruiserweights, and that will happen in the next 10 to 20 years. That's going to be awesome. Of course, Eastern Europeans too. Um, 
so to me, that's the funnest part of the division. It's just all the different styles and, and types that you get. <clears throat> anyway, um, <laughs> Jack says, Mike flexing hard right now. Dude, I, I just, these people crack me up, man. Aaron says, Mike always flexing. <laughs> uh, Papa Chubby says, I found the show through Spotify. Boom, there you go. And Spotify is one of my um, lesser known platforms. Uh, there's several others where I get thousands a week. So, so I mean, collectively, with the downloads of the podcast, um, even Hamadi says right here, I listen on Spreaker. Um, and then I got stuff like SoundCloud and all that. Um, yeah, collectively, it's a lot. It's a lot. Okay, uh, let's jump to the phones. All right, guys. I think this is Jack. Let's go to Jack first. Jack, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, what's up, man? I'm doing good. Uh, man, you need to come on my channel soon. I just started my own uh, boxing podcast. You already know. And uh, I was thinking to have, like, a good name for the boxing podcast. And I was thinking, like, stand in eight count or, like, some shit like that. But I was like, nah, I'll just call it Jack's Boxing Podcast. Like, <laughs> but I, like, I kind of oh, like that. Is. You know, honestly, Jack, I kind of like that because most podcasts do have some kind of, you know, the neutral corner standing eight count. I just like Jack's boxing podcast. I like that because there's no yeah. other podcast like named yeah. like that. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta come on and, uh, I'll get on there one of these days. Yeah, because you know why Canelo Golovkin three? We got to talk about that. I, I okay. I, I'll make you a promise right now. I'll get on there before Canelo Golovkin three to talk about it with you. How about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, can you believe we're one month out? I feel like yesterday you were saying we're three months out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's creeping up on us again. It's one of those fights where I really think like the week or two before people are going to start getting really excited. You know what I'm saying? Right now it's kind of like under the radar, but once it gets closer, people are going to start talking about it. Yeah, so uh, Connor Ben versus Chris Eubank Jr. Um, I think that fight is—I wouldn't even say style matchup. I just think Connor Ben's going to get knocked out because if Connor Ben does land, um, would you agree that Chris Eubank Jr., even though he's not that good, he has a pretty elite chin? So far, he's shown a pretty good chin. Yeah. Yeah, Eubank Jr. Uh, so who would you favor? I think Eubank Jr. knocks him out. I think he's way too big. Have they said what weight it's going to be at yet? Uh, 154, I think. See, that's if, if it's going to be at 154, because, yeah, I didn't see, uh, you know, I saw it on Twitter, but I didn't see what weight it was. If it's at 154, man, I might shade it to Ben because I just don't know how the hell Eubank is going to look at 154 at this stage. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're saying, really, one, they're saying 157 in the chat, 157. Oh, 157. Uh, yeah, Chris Eubank Jr. should be fine. He has all that, uh, whatchamacallit, weight. And, dude, Connor Ben has no chin. Like, he was hurt by – um. so, did you want to know the funniest thing that's happened recently, though? Uh, speaking of, like, chins, I was watching a fight with my dad, uh, Gabe Rosado versus uh, Beck the Bully, and I was showing him what a beast Beck the Bully is, and I'll get to him in a second. And then when Gabrielov knocked him out, he said, "Oh, he has no chin." I was like, "Fuck you, mean he has no chin? If you get hit with a shot like that, yeah, no human being down. is taking that fuck, shit." Fuck you, mean no chin? Fuck you. I was like, "Dad, fuck you, mean no chin?" <laughs> like that dude, you're just going to sleep after that. 
Yeah, nobody's taking that shot, man. That was like perfection, perfection. I'm just looking at I'm looking at Chris Eubanks' record, by the way. He's never weighed less than 158, and that was in 2014. So I don't know, dude. The the weight, the weight makes me wonder. But I'm with you. You know, uh, I I don't know. I don't know. Eubank can punch. He's explosive. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure on that one. He was very close to killing a dude, gave him a brain bleed before his dad was like, remember that, the Nick Blackwell fight? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. By the way, UK boxing is, like, so different over there. Like, it's a whole other atmosphere. Like, there's so many British boxing fans, like, over there. Like, it's completely insane. Just, I look, when I used to look into footage of, like, Connor Ben versus Chris Eubank, like, no one talks about those guys over here. No one. Yeah. And over there, they're the big stars in the UK, so it's just like a whole other world. But um, so I think that's going to be a good fight. Um, I don't really rate Connor Ben. I remember someone saying Ben could hang in there with Jerron uh, Ennis, and I was like, <laughs> "Hang on for what? Like thirty seconds? Maybe if that fight happened, Connor Ben wouldn't make it out of two. Would you agree?" If right Jerron now, I take Ennis big. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably take Ennis over anyone, anyone in the division right now. Honestly, uh, because guys like, you know, Spence hasn't fought um, just anybody on that level in a, in a while, if ever. And then Crawford hasn't fought in a year almost. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I take this. <clears throat> you know, when it comes to Spence, you know, I don't really like his fans. They're very toxic and hateful individuals. But when I look into Spence, it kind of sucks, though, because he's such a good fighter, but his fans ruin it for me. When I was looking into the uh, Ugas fight, dude, even after the car crash, Spence is still a fantastic fighter. I see mm-hmm. the Crawford-Spence fight as a 50-50. He's, except, a, he's a great except, fighter. Yeah, he's a great fighter. I think, I think Spence doesn't have a chin. I don't think he has a chin. He's been hurt uh, against Lartley, or I like to call him Fartley, early in his career, and he was hurt against... Uh, I don't know what the hell Ugas was doing because um, – and another thing I want to bring up because speaking of like, oh, when you get your mouthpiece knocked out, the referee should wait for a natural response in the action. Like um, Virgil Ortiz's fight this weekend with uh, Michael McKennis when McKennis's mouthpiece was knocked out. the ref And it was the same referee that uh, for the Ugas fence fight. So uh, he immediately said, okay, time, time. Like, as soon as the mouse just flew out, you didn't give him the time to, you know, follow up. Like, right. what the hell, what the hell kind of shit is that? And Uga stood there like a fucking idiot. Like, just like I remember that. One, two, and the ref didn't say, dude, what are you, because Spence was hurt there. He was hit with a perfect shot in the chin. He, like, it was arguably a knockdown. The rope held him up. So I was like, what are you doing, you idiot? Like, dude, go after him. The ref hadn't said stop yet. So, but, Crawford, to me, is such a mean, talented fighter. Like, against Sean Porter, they said to him, they were like, okay, we think you're down, so just go finish him. He's like, okay. Fucking finish him, like, 15 seconds into the um, next round. And that makes me think um, that Crawford really just cares about winning. He doesn't really care about stopping the guy. He would have been fine to coast to a 12-round victory over Sean Porter, but when they said, they were like, okay, dude, you got to go after this, you know? You, you got to go for the knockout. He's like, okay, no worries. Mm-hmm. That's why Crawford's a really special fighter to me. I agree. And uh, he's one of my favorites, personally. But, um, so, Kiafima Lopez fighting this weekend. 
Um, also, wait, wait, one more thing. Uh, I'll let, I want you to read the super chat right now because I understand how tough it can be because I just have my podcast. Because uh, Anthony, uh, Anthony Santiago is my man. So, uh, All right, hang on. Ant, uh, thank you for the super chat, brother. He says, uh, what's up, Mike and chat? Anyone know this Triple G is training in Big Bear for this fight? Triple G is on a mission. Also, Jim Boone is awesome. He gave me great tips on purchasing the tickets for that fight. Yeah, so uh, Triple G is jacked right now. He's jacked. He is going to be in the shape of his life for this fight against uh, Canelo. And Jim Boone, friend of the show, we've been meaning to have him on lately, but I just had there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about. We're definitely going to have him on before uh, the Canelo-Golovkin rubber match. And um, he's awesome because he tells you not only how to buy tickets, but when. And I think that's the biggest mistake a lot of fans uh, make is when they buy tickets for a fight. Anyway, go ahead, Jack. Yeah, um, I, I think you can admit this. If we're talking about just overall, no matter what happens in the trilogy, Triple G will always be the better fighter, prime for prime. Would you agree, than Canelo? Uh, we still yeah. got to see. That's what I, um, I, I mean, no, in, in my opinion, well, no, we have to see how the rest of the careers play out. You know, so in fairness, not, not that I think this is going to happen, Jack, but I'm just saying, okay, just hear me out. If Canelo were to beat Golovkin and then he were to rematch Bevel and beat him and then he were to fight Baturbiev and beat him, well, then you can't really deny who's the better fighter. But if we look at what they've done thus far and we at their best as middleweights, I'd say Triple G was better. Yes. But, um, you know, I, I still want to see what happens next month when they fight. Yeah, absolutely. I know this call is getting long, so I'm going to head off in a second. But, dude, everyone's saying Canelo's going to uh, destroy Triple G. Canelo, you think Triple G is going to let that happen? And, unless he lost everything overnight, Triple G is going to fucking go out there and fight his ass off. This is what he's been working for his entire life. He's a much better fighter than Canelo. Canelo's overrated. He, uh, I remember someone on the podcast or on the Joe earlier was like, a, yeah, so someone called, one of the callers said, so this guy I knew called Canelo overrated. He's like, what? That's calling, that's like calling Ali overrated. And I wanted to be like, yo, shut the fuck up, you dumb motherfucker. Yeah, Canelo like, and Ali, you can't put them in the same sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, man. No, no, but uh, triple, uh, my prediction at the moment, when we're almost one month out, I think Triple G knocks them out uh, in the 12th round. I think he will go to the body, and Jonathan Banks, tutelage, will go there. Um, and Canelo, it doesn't look like he's on the cycle right now. And 168 will be a big benefit to Golovkin. And Golovkin's already beat him twice, but he knows that, okay, I outboxed it. I outworked this guy the first time. I got a draw. I clearly outboxed him the second time. He barely won. But uh, he's like, now I got to knock him out to win. I can do it. I'm a much better fighter. And that's what I think is going to happen. Maybe knockout in like 10 or 11 to 12 rounds. So, yes, All right. Yeah, on the record, brother. All yeah, right, man. All right. Have a good weekend, Jack. Ping pong. <laughs> Peace. All right. Uh, let me make sure I didn't miss any uh, other comments here. Uh, I think I'm caught up. Yes, I am. All right, let's jump right to this next phone call. Let's do this. We got 415. You're on the show. What's up? Mike, what's up? It's your boy, Luis. Luis, what's going on, man? What's 
going on with you? Hey, hey man, this, this Jack kid, like, he's entertainment at times, but he's a super uh, Triple G fanboy. Like, like, come on, my man. You got to, you know, experience, He loves him some Triple G. He, he's Triple G's biggest fan, yeah, that is man. for sure. Right, right. You gotta, you gotta, you know, expand your horizons and watch a lot of these other fighters and show them a little more attention than a fight that's uh, a month away. And the guy, oh God, okay, possibly robbed the first fight, but lost the second fight and hasn't done nothing since. So let's get to this on topic, back on topic though. But what you were talking about earlier, as far as uh, involving the ring magazine belt, I think that's a real good decision because, I mean, you got to figure the two guys are going for it. Joshua has collected each one of those belts one by one. Yep. So he earned, you know, the status to where he was at. You know, he, he you know, revenged his uh, only loss to Reed. And now he's trying to do the same thing with Alexander Usyk, who's um, basically, I mean, he's he, he's the, the top guy, arguably top three, top of town right now, you know, just came from a smaller weight class and collected those belts in the tournament and went undisputed. And has you know basically uh, three out of the four trophies. Uh, why not involve the uh, ring with it? I think it's it's it's, it's a valuable and it's and it's an asset and brings more to the fight. That's a really great point, man. Because I think that's the way I'm going to mention it uh, this weekend when I talk to the to the crew. Is that if you look at who has held three of the four belts over the last I don't know two three years, it might even be longer than that. It's been Joshua and Usyk. Those are the guys that have held all those other belts. The WBC switched hands between Wilder and Fury, but the other belts were held by these two dudes. And then Usyk had all of them at cruiserweight. So when you look, just look at hardware, these are the two top guys right now, you know? So I'm with you, man. I I really think it should be for the ring belt. Yeah. I mean, you know, he he earned the ball, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's deserved. Well-deserved. Yeah. Hey, one thing about this fight too, I want to holler to you about Mike is, uh, what, what's up with this? I mean, we almost we a week out, about a week, a little over a week out for the um for this fight, and we have no promotion in the U.S. about this fight. I mean, yeah, yeah. They, they've announced possibly the zone. Is it the zone pay per view? Is it? I mean, is it, is it top rank going to do? I've you I've heard bullshit that did. did no, I know exactly like, where you're going with this, man. I completely agreed. Yeah, yeah, they have cool. dropped the ball. They have completely dropped the ball on this, and I don't understand it at all. It reminds me of um, when Top Rank completely dropped the ball with that Josh Taylor, uh, Jose Ramirez fight. Um, it, it, there's just certain fights that fall through the cracks, and the thing is with this fight, Eddie Hearn is getting his money through the site fee in Saudi Arabia, so everyone's getting paid. They're good, you know. As far as the networks globally, they're going to get paid pretty well through that too. Uh, but so I've been told several times that it's going to be regular to zone here in the United States. They just haven't announced it yet. I don't know why. I don't know why, but it's going to be regular to zone, not pay-per-view here in the U S I don't know if they're trying to bid out to somebody else or see, cause I think um, I know that top rank made a bid for it. So maybe they're still trying to do some kind of bidding or something, but I'm with you, dude. It's a week out. What the fuck are they doing? It's a week out. Like yeah. announce it. So, it but like, yeah, it's probably 99%. It it's going to be regular to zone. Right, right. Okay, so that's good to hear because I know you got some more insight than us common folk. Because it's like, you know, when they did the, the uh, Fury and uh, Chisora fight on, oh no, Dylan White, excuse me, the Dylan mm-hmm. White midday pay per view. I mean, I know that shit bombed. Oh, you know, yeah. Mid, midday pay per view 
that the midday pay per views don't do good here. You know, on an app too. Yeah, 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 that shit bombed. Yeah, yeah, exactly, bro. So it's kind of like you guys are kind of like fucking up, not promoting this fight. Like this is a big fight. I mean, yes, in, in Saudi, okay, everybody's getting paid, but what about you know us? You know, common and devoted fans that mm-hmm. really want to get some inside one so fight. For We're always the ones that get forgotten about, brother. The the, yeah. the diehard fans that promote this sport. Because you think diehard fans promote fights more than the promoters. That's the truth. You ain't lied about that. And they're the ones who get fucked over the most. And uh, this is a prime example of it. Like, it's it's crazy that we're a week out and it's not official yet. Who's who's broadcasting it here in America? We we know, again, I'm 99% certain I can tell you it's going to be the zone. But I can't say 100%. You know, That, that sucks, man. Right, right. And, and back on what you was talking, I'm trying to stay on the topic of, you know, all your little um, topics. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm completely with you with the whole Wilder, how are you still ranked one when you got beat on the last two times and been inactive and contemplated, you know, uh, retirement, suicide, all this other bullshit. And you ranked number one when I thought Joe, Joe Joyce had already won that eliminator prior to this fight coming up with Parker. I mean, Joyce has a pretty good track record. I mean, the guy has yeah. beaten, you know, worthy opponents. Uh, you know, old, the old uh, WBC uh, champion that that uh, Wilder beat, uh, Bermain Severn, he beat Brian Jennings, uh, Dubois, broke Dubois' face with a, with a jab the whole fight. Basically, Devin handed his ass, you know, the whole fight he jabbed his ass to death. Yep. To come, which ain't, you know, he's not, you know, big time, but, you know, he's been in there with, you know. He's a good gatekeeper. Joyce. Yeah, Joe Joyce. Joe Joyce deserves a crack at that bill. Like they're they're fucking him, man. And I, I, I don't completely agree. He's a UK guy. They're fucking him. He has a, he has a low, you know, you know, fight count. But the, the, the but the dude's legit, man. Like the dude's legit. He he find another ex champion, uh, a WBO champion, Parker. You know, yep. the one that he lost his belt to uh, Joshua. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. If he beats Parker. That's a better win than Wilder's had in several years at this point, you know, because while the last what two three years Wilder's only fought Tyson Fury, so um, I mean, beat on by Tyson Fury. That too. That too. Yep. Yeah, yeah, man. La- last little topic. I'm, I'm holding you up, bro. My bad. You know, I'm just I've been waiting to talk to you. Uh, this this female female fight uh, tomorrow. I've been listening to all these, you know, uh, interviews and, um, you know, and, and all these comments and all this. But, uh, it's something about Tio that is not there, man. I don't know if it's, you know, certain, I think we talked about this prior a couple of months back, but certain fighters don't take losses well. And I think we're we're seeing this firsthand with Tio Fimo. Like, I can't think of the last boxer who had took his first loss and never was the same. And I feel like this kid psychologically, like, it, it, of course, he has the whole, you know, had the whole promotion, the uh, the marriage problem, you know, his his health. But psychologically, I I don't see it's there for the for him. Like, and you got to also think about it, he he basically fucked top rank with the whole, you know, the uh, trill TV trill thriller. Oh yeah, back, man, I forgot know. all about that. So, Holy I mean, shit. Yeah. Uh, Man, Uncle Bob is, uh, does not forget, man. That, that it's That's a reason true. why he's been in business for so many years, and he still, I mean, love him and hate him. You gotta respect him. He ain't forgot about that shit. So 
He still, you know, if, if, if he loses, I can see top rank dropping his ass quick. So, like, I don't know, maybe that's in the back of his head because he has to perform tomorrow, you know? So, I mean, what is your uh, uh, assessment about that as far as how his psyche has been lately? Yeah, man, that's the only thing with him. I mean, physically, the kid's got crazy skills, potential, uh, talent. He's explosive. He's fast. Uh, I thought he showed a, a, a he showed a good chin. I mean, I, I know he got dropped against Cambosos, but to come back from that start and have Cambosos almost out of there, I thought showed something. Um, even though that was an off night, I, I think that he's got all the physical tools, but the mentals, I don't know, man. It, you talk about some guys never being the same after the first loss. Um, earlier in the show, I, man- I mentioned Adam Kovnachi, the heavyweight. Once he got knocked out by Hellenius, yeah, man. man, he completely regressed. Just totally not that he was ever going to be this, you know, champion or anything, but um, he, never the same. Um, who who else recently? Damn, who am I forgetting? Gabriel Flores. Gabriel Flores is another one because he's young, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Deontay Wilder. The only yeah. difference with Wilder is he's a grown man. He's in his thirties, so he's a little more mature, right? right? Uh, but you look at these young kids, yeah. man. It's it's tough on them. It's tough on them. Gabriel Flores, man, I don't know where he's going to go from where he's at. If Tiafimo Lopez loses this weekend, that's it. I mean, his career's I'm not going to yeah. say done, but ugh, it'd be it'd be rough. It'd be really rough. Hey, you got to think about it, just like I brought it up to you. Like Bob Irma has not forgot about how he backed Jordan with that whole trill shit going behind his back. Uh, with the there is that host, too. You know, the, Grandpa Bob, don't fight. forget. Man, that, that's hell no. And I know that's that's like a big thing that's just kind of slept on. I really ain't heard nobody talking about it. But that was my, one of my first things that came to mind. Like now you go crawling back to top rank and oh, the, this is the best platform, this and that. But when you left him for dead for your last fight because you wanted to get paid more money, that was that was. Sneaky snake shit. So mm-hmm. oh, we're gonna see, man. We're gonna see. But I appreciate your time, Mike. You have a good weekend. I'm gonna uh, catch you on Monday on the on the on the, uh, on the update, man. On the, on the All panel. right. Thanks a lot, brother. Have a great weekend, man. You too, man. Thank you. All right. There's uh, Aaron with a great point. He said uh, Jorge Linares had three shitty losses early on, and he had a great career. There you go. I mean, everybody has different a uh, different mental state, a different emotional state. I mean, some of these guys. Uh, Bernard Hopkins is a great example, lost his pro debut. I mean, there's guys out there who have lost their pro debut and gone on to have amazing careers. So, it, you know, let's give Tiafima Lopez the benefit of the doubt and let's see how he looks. I don't like the way he has handled that loss to Cambosos. Um, and I don't like the interaction between him and his father. I think that's really, really poisonous. Uh, there, there's things I know about him and his marriage, um, that maybe isn't public information, so I won't share it, but it was not good from the jump. And, um, certain family members and advisors tried to advise him to do other things instead of get married. He did what he did. Uh, I, all that sent him back. Some of the worst things a, a young fighter can do. And I, you know, this is going to sound, I don't mean to sound sexist, but I've seen this happen so many times a boxer who starts out single goes professional as a single guy and has success then gets married it can really change a fighter sometimes it changes fighters for the best but i've seen it a million times guys after a dude makes a little bit of money then he gets married uh, after a dude wins a belt or something like that gets a little notoriety then gets married 
or as a kid, it tends to not go well. I've seen so many cases of that. Dudes who go pro and they're already married, already got kids, that seems to go just fine. Guys who get married real late in their careers when they're mature, grown men, that seems to go fine. But these young dudes who get a little bit of money and then they get a wife, yeah, it just does. I, I, I'm telling you, I can bring up so many examples of that where it just did not work very well. Uh, super chat from Sam A. Thank you so much, Sam. He says, Canelo, 48 to 4 body shots in the second fight with Golovkin. Triple G will not risk body shots getting caught by Canelo uppercuts. That's why he won 7-5. I see the same results. Yeah, you know, real quick, everybody remembers my – you were there, Sam. You, uh, you remember my ranting and my raving with uh, Oscar De La Hoya and, um, and Bob Bennett uh, after the first fight. After the second fight, I, you know, I was at the presser, and it was Tom Loeffler's turn to uh, start, you know, taking questions from, from the media. And he saw me in, in the back because I sat in the back. I didn't want to sit up front and all that. I, I you know, I kind of wanted other people to go first, but he pointed to me first because I think so many people remembered what happened in the first fight. But I think I surprised a lot of people because my question to Golovkin and Abel Sanchez, because he was with Sanchez at the time was why didn't you go to the body more? That was my question. You know, um, I noted, I, I didn't give the actual stats, but I noted that Canelo went to the body. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was it was basically like, why didn't you guys go to the body? And that's when Golovkin started answering questions in Russian and uh, through his interpreter. And it was more or less kind of the cold, canned responses. It wasn't the guy that we had seen before. Uh, up to that point. And the guy that I had talked to like off camera and stuff a few times, I've been lucky enough to do that uh, with Golovkin and his team. So uh, I, I noticed that too. And it was smart for Canelo to do it. However, Sam, I will counter your point with this point. Look at the jab numbers. Look at the jab numbers of the second fight. Golovkin jabbed the living shit out of Canelo. He did in the first fight, but it was even, I think, more wide the disparity in the rematch. And jab should count too. Jab should count too. So yes, I, body punching matters. It absolutely matters. And it's not at all scored in the amateurs pretty much. But in the pro game, it really does matter, especially in a 12-round fight. But so do jabs. And if you look at the jab category, Golovkin blasted Canelo. So um, I don't think just because Canelo landed more body punches, that means he necessarily won the fight. It goes both ways. But I agree with you, dude. That fight was close. 7-5 either way. 6-6 six, six draw. I'm good with that. Oh, boy. We got a bunch of calls. Shit. I don't know if I'm going to get to all these guys. Let's uh, let's get to a couple UK calls. Uh, let's start with 787. You're on the show. This might be Hamed. What's up? How you doing? Uh, no, it's not, not Hamed. It's Justin calling from the UK. Justin, what's up, man? How you doing? Good. I'm very good, thanks. Well, happy Friday. We're just trying to keep cool during the uh, UK heat wave number two at the moment. Yeah, man. It's uh, It's been a hot, humid, sticky, nasty summer, and I am ready for the fucking fall. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Now, I'm sat here with a, I actually have to turn the fan down yeah, it sounds yeah, like you're in a wind. Right, it sounds like you're standing on a flagpole. There's a lot of, a lot oh, of wind. I'll, I'll switch it off, actually. Okay. I'll switch it off. Um, 
I just had that. Yeah, I'm a second time caller actually. It's uh, yeah, nice to be able to actually catch you live for once because uh, yeah, I'm normally happy to catch you on demand. Um, but yeah, just a, a few points I wanted to uh, sort of uh, touch upon. Uh, I mean, first of all, yeah, completely agree with the previous caller, uh, Luis, was it about music Joshua uh, rematch? Yeah. I mean, absolutely, this should be for the ring title. Uh, I think. I mean, I mean. <laughs> Anyone who's been following boxing for a while, you know, you just take what Tyson Fury has to say for a massive pinch of salt. Mm. Um, you know, we just, you know, one minute he's retired, he's not retired. Next, he's fighting for half a billion pounds. Right, right. Now he's retired again. You know, it's just, uh, it's kind of regrettable that a lot of, uh, a lot of mainstream news organizations, they're just, they basically just report what he says, you know, pretty much as fact without sort of any context and drives me you know, crazy. It's, 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 it's a bit of a farce yes. basically it's just you know you know you know those of us who follow it you know we just we just sort of you know roll your eyes and just think oh it's just you know he's not retired but uh, you know frankly yeah it should be for the ring title and perhaps we should take him at his word okay Tyson you're retired great let's move on you know so that's, I'm, that's I'm more opinion, than happy yeah. for that's my opinion mm-hmm, so yeah, and I'm, I'm very happy. And, you know, well, frankly, I, you know, if it came to it, uh, the Fury was fighting music, I would fancy music for it. But, you know, we've got to fight the fight. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Ring title, please. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, just a couple of other points. Uh, the, um, I saw this week, have you seen Williams of Paper and Jojo Diaz has been announced? Yes. later in the year that's a nice little fight isn't it? yeah and uh i actually i don't know if you remember but i called in a few months ago uh we talked about the payda yes. and uh the reason you might remember it is because you got uh taken offline for a few because i think you showed some design highlights oh it was that week i remember that yeah yeah i remember that those bastards yeah sorry about that man. <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, that's a really. I, I saw that as actually that's a really good fight in terms yeah. of styles and a basically you know a step up. We're, we're going to see uh, if the Baders actually good enough. I think. I think that's a sort of a, a really good step up. Uh, you know, to, to get him into potentially a sort of you know title contention. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't mind your thoughts on that one. Yeah, I pretty much see it the same way. I mean, Joseph Diaz Jr. has kind of turned into, I don't want to call him a gatekeeper, but he's one of those guys, if you're a special fighter, if you're an elite level fighter, you're going to beat him. He's going to give you hard work. He's going to give you tough rounds, but he'll come up just short against the absolute elite, you know? So if Zapeda is that guy, we'll find out. We're going to get some questions answered in that fight. That's why I really like that matchup. Yeah, I, I mean, it seems that it's. I'm not, I'm not a cheerleader for any of the uh, for the promoters, but it it seems to be that the well, is it Golden Boy that promote those guys? I think so. Yeah, I think it is a Golden Boy fight. Yeah, I mean, it seems like yeah, they they seem to know what they're doing with the matchmaking here because well, you know, we've seen it with a few others, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm high on him basically. It's just the exciting style, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, he seems. Uh, I, I think I think he could be, 
if he gets an opportunity, I think he could get a belt, basically. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, at this point, it's going to be an interim belt or something like that. But, you know, he he looked um, good against Rene Alvarado. That was a competitive fight, but it was a learning-on-the-job kind of a fight, you know, where he got 10 good rounds in. I expect Joseph Diaz to give him an even better challenge. But um, there, there's a lot to like about Cepeda, you know. He's still young. He's 26 years old, southpaw. He could do a lot of different things. He's still learning. And I think I want to say he's had a few fights in America. Yeah, I'm just looking here. He's fought in L.A. a couple times, uh, in and around southern Los Angeles, or, or southern California, the Los Angeles area. So Golden Boy, uh, his, his management is building up a brand there in that area, which is smart, really, really smart. And Joseph Diaz Jr. has a name in that area. That's where he's from. So this one makes a lot of sense, and uh, it's going to be in Indio, which is maybe an hour and a half or so east of Los Angeles, maybe two hours. Uh, there's going to be a lot of fans, you know, traveling from L.A. and different parts of the Southern California for that fight. It's going to be a good crowd, good atmosphere. I- I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, me too. He's, um, I think one thing I noticed about him as well, he's, um, I don't know if there are many other fighters like this apart from possibly Winky Wright, but uh, he's southpaw, but he, I think his dominant hand is right hand. So <laughs> He's one of those guys like uh, Miguel Cotto. And, yeah, yeah, uh, guys that yeah, it's, switch but, like, it. Basically, his jab, jab slash hook is just, yeah, it's just uh, the power shot. Yeah, I like that. There's an increasing number of fighters that do that, and it, and it works. If you can master it, it really works. Right. Um, and, yeah, cool. Uh, I guess final point. Um, yeah, you briefly talked about Connor Ben and Hugh Banks Jr. Um, I, I, I mean, this fight, it's I, I've sort of been through my this right, because it's not, it's not the top level to be frank, given where they're at in their careers and given the, you know, the, the levels. But uh, it's, it, that said, in the UK, it's going to be a massive fight yep. just because of the name recognition. Um, it's going to make a lot of money and it's going to get a lot of eyes on it. Um, but I think like, I'm a bit confused on this in terms of from the Connor Den camp. Why have they, apart from perhaps the, the obvious answer that, i.e. money, why have they gone for this given his, you know, recent career trajectory? Because, you know, he's he's been a massively increased fighter over the past few years. Probably, I'd say legit, legitimate top 10 now, sort of on the path to that, you know, getting a proper title shot. And this just seems like a, an overly perhaps a risky move in terms of, you know, could that massively derail, uh, you know, the future plans to be, you know, if you want to be a, a legitimate champion, a, a, you know, or even get a belt. It just seems, you know, it's not quite sort of Amir Khan, Canelo jumping sort of risk, but it, it, I just can't quite sort of see what, what the thinking is here other than, it's a big fight. It's, you know, it's a lot of money. Perhaps I've answered the question. Well, that of course it, it is prize fighting. That's the biggest reason. But I think if you're in the Conor Ben camp, they can 
they're looking at, <clears throat> they're looking at this like they can't lose because if Connor Ben gets knocked out in this fight, if if he's at, at all competitive early, but then gets stopped, let's say in the middle rounds or something like that, they could say, well, he's two weight divisions, three weight divisions higher than me. So it, it's almost it's almost when Mikey Garcia fought Errol Spence a few years back. Everybody wanted to see Mikey Garcia fight Lomachenko. But if Lomachenko beat Garcia, which he probably would have at that time, that's yeah. a guy who's actually smaller than Garcia naturally beating him, right? But again, Spence, nobody held it against Garcia that he lost against Spence. Nobody held that against him. Now, of course, I'm not compa- I'm not trying to compare Ben and Eubank to, the, to those fighters because they were far more accomplished at that time. But I think it's a similar situation here where you can go up, you can make some money. If you lose, well, eh, hey, all the pressure's on Eubank. He's the bigger guy. He's mm-hmm. supposed to win. I think that's the way uh, it, all the pre- – yeah, Ben's team is looking at it that way. And all the pressure's on Eubank. Mm, yeah, that's not a fair point, but – and, and it will it will be a very popular fight. Uh, certainly oh, it's going to be huge. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, that's for sure. Even with pay per view, they will get a lot of people yeah. watching that for the name recognition. But, uh, yeah. Well, um, I think that's all I've got, Mike. Um, yeah, I'll try and call in again a little more regularly. But uh, yeah, thanks Sounds for your time good. and uh, keep up the good work as usual. Thank you, sir. Have a great weekend, brother. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Bye. All right, I think was there. Yeah, there was a super chat. Uh, Aaron, I'm sorry, it was Anthony Santiago super chat. Thank you. He said, uh, "What do you think about the WBA stripping Estrada?" What? I didn't see that. You guys asked me these um, these questions about the sanctioning bodies, and I just I ignore them. Uh, but so I got to pull this up. Because that's very, very interesting. Um, I'm going to pull this right off of the WBA website, Champions Committee. Here, let's let's read it together, guys. Let, let me uh, let me share my screen. We can we can read together. Reading is fundamental. Uh, here we go. Yeah, all right. Championship Committee. Well, that Championships Committee. There's a typo right there. Oops. Uh, disowns Juan Francisco Estrada. Wow. The Championships Committee of the World Boxing Organization made the decision to withdraw the recognition of Juan Francisco Gallo Estrada as the super flyweight champion of the organization. So, with the decision, Joshua Franco remains the only 115-pound champion. Interesting. Um, okay, then they go into the timeline here. You know, I don't mind this. I, I don't mind this because, um, all right, let, let me just read this very last point here. It says, taking into account that all fighters and their representatives must know the WBA rules and that rule D14 states that a fight that went into auction must take place between 45 and 90 days after the date of which the fight took place. The committee made the decision regarding Estrada. So I think this just has to do with his negotiations. And look, man, um, Estrada's had a couple fights break down. You know, there was the Gonzalez fight and now the fight with Franco. And I think the WBA did the right thing here. I, I'm I'm cool with it. I'm absolutely cool with this. I'm curious what you think, Ant, but I'm definitely cool with it. Estrada hasn't done nothing, man. 
you gotta get in there and fight, dude. And um, I, I want to see what Franco could do. Sam with another super chat. Thank you so much, Sam. He says, Me and Jim were six rows up, and we felt the body shots from Canelo. So the triple G. Uh, he said, Triple G finally decided to leave his face open, and that's when he got back in the fight. Also, Jack, real pros can get caught, but can recover. Yeah, so um, Sam, I'm with you, man. I mean, the body shots were great. Canelo moved Golovkin back. I just thought Golovkin didn't get enough credit in some of the later rounds for some of his adjustments in boxing because he did make some adjustments. I thought I did some good work with the jab and some of the the jabbing and circling Canelo. Doesn't get enough credit for that. They kind of switched roles where Canelo was the come forward guy and Golovkin became the boxer. And I think because so many people were used to seeing Golovkin as this stalker seeking destroy kind of, you know, boxer puncher or, you know, that they, they were surprised to see him backing up and turning and jabbing and stuff. But, um, man, what a great fight that was, you know, I haven't seen the rematch in a while. I might need to pull that one up this weekend. Maybe I should do that and then give you guys my thoughts because it's, it's been a while. Another super chat. This one from Will, the degenerate boxing fan, Lynch. Thank you so much, Will. I am a fellow boxing degenerate fan myself. Uh, I said, what are some of your favorite articles you have written over the years? That's a great question. Uh, I try to find time to read The Ring Magazine and its backlog. And in general, I love learning new things about boxing. Um, Without going into an hour-long, you know, rant here about some of my favorite articles you know there was one that i wrote um after patrick day's death um you know patrick day that was when we yeah uh tiff my wife tiffany and i were in chicago uh for usik uh usik witherspoon and patrick day fought that undercard and we were there all fight week for the press, the pressers and all that stuff. And my wife was doing the, the photography, the videography. We interviewed a bunch of different fighters. We interviewed uh, Dimitri Bevel. Um, we recorded some of the pressers and stuff. And we were uploading this stuff to Ring Magazine's YouTube channel. We were posting the videos for Ring's YouTube. And of course, I was writing articles for the site during fight week and, and covering the event for the website. And um, I saw Patrick Day... He didn't die right in front of me, technically, but I was right there. I mean, right there when he got knocked out and knocked unconscious. I witnessed him lose consciousness, and he never regained it. So did I see him die? No, but I saw him lose his life, essentially, you could argue, right in front of me, you know, a couple rows back. And um he was taken out on a stretcher and wheeled right by me. I mean, on his way out, you know, when the paramedics took him out, it was very, um, I don't even know how to describe that experience, but I wrote an article about that in ring magazine, in the actual magazine, not the website. And, um, several people from Patrick day's team reached out to me after that and uh, said that they had read it and, Thought that I did a good job. I it was one of those times where I hope I do a good job here. I, I hope I do a good job. And um they told me I did, so that made me feel good that I honored his memory. And then um subsequent to that, I wrote an article about fighter safety. Several fighters had died. I think five notable fighters had died within a year, including Patrick Day. And I wrote a very long, just exhaustive article 
about fighter safety. And I delved into several different segments of fighter safety, uh, weight cutting, performance enhancing drugs, uh, things like that. And uh, I talked to, man, I can't remember how many people I interviewed for that piece, but I talked to commission officials, promoters, fighters, trainers, strength and conditioning coaches, testing officials, people who collect drug uh, samples to be tested, but then also people who work at the labs themselves. I've talked to people who run the testing organizations. I talked to so many different people for that article and I really put my heart and soul into it, man. And I really feel it may have been my best work to date. And it was, it might've been eight pages or something in the magazine, eight, nine pages. It was, again, it was a very, it was the longest one I've ever done. And um, that would be the one I'm most proud of. Absolutely, man. Great, great freaking question, man. You know, no, no one's asked me that on the show before. So um, thank you for that. Okay. Um, all right. Let me, uh, <laughs> guys, I'm sorry. I'm not going to get to all these calls. Uh, me and the wife have dinner <laughs> reservations and the pregnant wife, she wants seafood tonight. And so we got reservations at the Atlanta fish market in Buckhead. That's where we're going. Uh, I can't go a whole lot longer. So we got to rapid fire these calls. Okay. So I could get as many of these in as possible. So I'm going to take another UK call here and let, let's keep it rapid fire. All right, guys. All right. Let's jump to uh, 796. 796. You're on the show. What's up? Hello, Mike. How's oh, Hamed. What's up, man? What's up, Hamed? Oh, nothing, nothing much. I've just been busy with work, like literally working 12 hour shifts. So I haven't been able to. 12 hour shifts? Damn, just... dude. I, I used to do that. I used to work yeah. in concrete. I used to work in construction. I'm a way to stereotype myself an Italian American working in concrete. And my boss was an Italian guy from New York. But anyway, I used to pull fucking 15 hour shifts, man. I know what that's like. So, wow. uh, yeah, but these, these are 12 hour shifts, three days in a row. Well, I guess three days off after, but but it's hard. Yeah, it's not easy. Like you gotta literally survive on about five six hours sleep. Bro. Yeah, then that's it rough. Turns, man. It turns into a long day. It's a long day. But there are people in other jobs, like you said, do fifteen sixteen hour shifts. Uh, it, it's too long. I I remember there was a boxer on one of the contender series. I think it's Grady Brewer. I think in the second series he said he was doing twelve hour shifts, and then. He was actually training as well. And I know I a lot of fighters who do that, bro. Series. I know I know fighters that rip. work in concrete, you know, using a jackhammer all day and then go to the gym at night. It's insane. It's insane. Too much, yeah. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. I'm doing night shifts. I don't know if uh, it's Grady. I think he's retired now, but he was, uh, I think, doing it 12 hours in the warehouse, but it's high. Yeah, it's not healthy, especially for boxers that are trying to make a living, like, always you know, uh, boxing not uh, giving you enough money. But I wanted to call it because I wanted to talk about a couple of things. But I won't keep you too long. Regarding AJ and Usyk, I, I don't think that should be for the ring belt because I think I heard one of the callers saying Golovkin has done nothing recently. I am I am a Golovkin fan as well as AJ fan, but i got to keep it real. Golovkin has beaten Rata and uh, Devichenko. AJ has literally just beaten a 40-year-old Pule who... When life and death with Chisora and officially lost, I thought he may have won the fight, but he also only beat Andy Ruiz, who looked in even worse shape in the rematch. So 
I, I don't know about that. I, I'd wait until to see what happens after this fight. Because for me, Usyk and Fury are clearly the number one and two guys. I know Fury comes off across that he's got bipolar. And uh, look, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Fury. I've never paid for any of his fights. I've never been to any of his fights. Uh, I've never, I've never met the guy. I haven't but, been to. But if he retires, fights. let me ask you this: If he retires, yeah. who's That's number the, one and number two? Um, if anything gets knocked out, but when are we talking? I'm talking right now because technically speaking, and I know Tyson Fury's bipolar and he's crazy, but if we take him at his word and he's retired right now, who are the top two heavyweights in the world today, right now? I think it's Usyk and is you'll probably have to go with AJ by default, but to me, if AJ, it depends on how he looks in the rematch because at the moment we're going. We're going off what he's done back in 2017, 2018. Because him and Wilder both literally not done anything in the last couple of years. I know you're not the biggest Wilder fan, but AJ's last couple of fights, he decisively lost to Usyk. I know I know Wilder got knocked up by, what's the kid called, Fury. You can't really compare how was it. It's the best heavyweight. So losing, there's no shame in losing the Fury. Yeah, I, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I, get I agree. It. I agree, I agree, I agree. But what I'm trying to say, both, if you take Usyk and Fury away, all these guys have questions to answer. So I would just wait. If uh, if Usyk could win the rematch and then say Ruiz and Wilder fight or something like that happens or AJ and Wilder fight and then we get a clear number two guy in the division, then at least you could argue we know who the top guys are. At the moment, we're going off what AJ and what Wilder did three, four years ago. Like, at the moment, I think it's, AJ, it's Fury and Usyk and then it's the rest of the field. If Fury officially retires in the WBC, strip him of his belt, whatever, and he vacates the ring belt, then he's officially retired. I don't know. Like, he said this a couple of months ago, then he's calling out Chisora. To me, it seems like it's mind games. I, I don't know. Like, I can't take his word for it because he hasn't officially vacated his belt or he's been stripped of it. Like, I know the ring belt but that, the policy is a bit different, but I would just wait to see how the rematch is because I think people, some people just want him to retire and there's other people that will give him way too uh, much leeway. I do think he needs to make a decision soon, but let this fight play out and let's see what happens after that. I just think... Okay, fair enough. we got to wait a bit. <clears throat> fair enough. Yeah, we, we should wait because I think what if uh, Usyk wins and Fury ends up fighting him and then you award the ring belt uh, all Fury will never fight Usyk. He'll never fight Usyk. If Joshua wins, Fury will come back and fight him, for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean it's possible. It doesn't seem like he wants uh, one thing past Usyk, but until he's on the record, it's just opinion. Like I need to see whether you know he fights him or he doesn't fight him. I I would like to see Usyk uh, clean out the division because I do think he's the one guy that willing to do anything and travel. But until him and the number two guy fight, uh, I don't know about the ring belts. I think should just wait. Uh, I think Fury is not really helping himself at this moment. So it's hard to defend him at this moment. But regarding that fight, why isn't the American broadcaster? Because I find that a bit bizarre. With like yeah. I, seven. Again, I, I don't know if you were on earlier, but somebody asked about that earlier. I'm 99% certain it's going to be regular to zone here in the States. Uh, it's really weird over there in the UK what's going on with you guys with the broadcasting. It doesn't make any sense, but um, it, it, they've really dropped the ball on the promotion 
with this fight. And it's because they got a massive site fee and everybody's getting paid. So I guess they got a little lazy, but they've really dropped the ball in the promotion, well, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a bit weird because Scotty are not promoting this fight. It makes me well. nervous know, uh, that there could be something yeah. shady that happens. You know what I mean? I hope not. I hope not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was wanting to add another thing. You know, we do think uh, adding on weight. I know a lot of people got questions over him, how weird he is mentally because of what's happening in Ukraine. But do you think that's dangerous? Because I know, look, I know it was heavyweight. Their weight, weights belong to it. And I don't really read too much into heavyweights because I have been to a couple of uh, heavyweight fights and seen some of these guys up close. And one way, one time I think there's AJ came in really heavy and then he came in light so I, I don't read too much into it but with the Usyk and the natural cruiserweight do you think like if he comes in 230 or, or above above 230 is that dangerous or do you think it don't matter um, I, you know if, if he comes in at 240 something obviously that'd be too much but I think uh, he'll come in even a little bulkier than the last fight I, that's what I expect I heard some things early on in camp that I didn't like from from Usyk, but they delayed the fight a little bit and he got some things ironed out and he's actually looking really good right now. I expect the best Usyk in this fight. I, I really, really do. But you got oh, anything else, man? Yeah, I, need, yeah. I should jump to these other calls. Right oh, yeah. Last thing, oh, sorry to give you all that. Well, what about the weight? Uh, not the weight. I mean, the the condition, the humidity. Do you think that could affect either guy? Because AJ has gassed out uh, in a lot of his fights with Usyk. I don't know if he's trained or acclimated to that climate because it could be around 40, I don't know, degrees. I think that's Fahrenheit. That's like 90-something degrees. But I know they'll fight in the night, but that could be really humid, like in those conditions, fighting in that condition. That's a good, that's an interesting point I hadn't considered. Uh, it would really depend on where the guys are training. Um, that might actually benefit Joshua because I is Joshua training in London or did he actually come but out to Cali to train with Garcia? He does train in and out. Uh, I think it was London, but he does uh, go from time to time to Dubai. I don't know if he has had a training camp there, but yeah, Usyk, he does go to, to Dubai. My knowledge, I think he'll. I think he'll yeah, be Usyk. fine with the climate, <laughs> but with Usyk, I don't know. He's a Ukrainian guy. You know, they, they don't know what humidity is in Ukraine, <laughs> so uh, that that could get interesting. But the, the guy has a motor on him. He has fantastic stamina, as you mentioned. It's Joshua with the stamina issues, and I expect AJ to start fast in this fight. So the question is, what happens if it gets goes into the later rounds? Can Joshua handle that? I'm kind of curious to see what Joshua weighs in at. I think AJ's best chance is the first six rounds. I think yes. if AJ targets the body, he could break him down. But I think if Usyk, if he leaves himself too open, I think Usyk can counter him and get him out. But I do think Usyk just needs to do what he did in the first fight. And I think the KO will eventually come. I don't think you want to go looking for a KO against a guy like AJ. So I think if Usyk is half as good as he was in the first fight, the mentally... He's there about and there's no problems. He should win the fight. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout like some people are. I do think there could be some scary moments. I completely early agree. On. But thanks, for, thanks for taking my call. I'll let you get to other people. All right. Thanks, Ahmed. All right. Nice. All right. Um, got a couple super chats here. Chris James with the super chat. Thank you so much. He said, I just bought tickets for Joyce Parker in Manchester, UK. Rooting for Joyce. 
but have always liked Parker. Great crossroads fight, I think. Any thoughts? Chris, enjoy that, man. That's going to be a really, really fun heavyweight scrap. These two guys and the way that they match up in the mentality of both men, I think they, they're going to work really well together. I, I think you're going to have a fight that at times might be a little laborious, a little slow, but I think you're going to just see bombs. Um, I like Joyce in this fight. When it was first announced, you know, a lot of people thought uh, Parker would win because he is more experienced, and I understand that. And he's certainly, you know, on paper you can see that. But there's just something to Joyce. He's just he's just won me over with each fight. He's heavily flawed. Don't get me wrong. You can hit the guy with blindfolds on. You can hit the guy, okay? But Parker um, just isn't busy enough. He doesn't have a finisher's mentality. He's not an explosive puncher. He's a heavy-handed puncher, but he's not explosive. I think Joyce is going to have enough. He's going to learn a lot in this fight and win. I, I think it's going to be a fun one, man. I'm looking forward to that one. I love heavyweight boxing. I, I do. And heavyweight boxing, a lot of fans don't understand because the pacing's different. Fans get frustrated when they see holding and grappling. That's part of heavyweight boxing. These guys take two steps. They make two moves, and boom, they're on top of each other, right? They're not featherweights. So it is different. The style is different, but I enjoy it. And, and I, I hope you love that one, man. I hope you have a really great time because that's going to be fun. And we got another one from Papa Chubby. Thank you so much. He says, uh, do you like Chris Colbert versus Frank Warren? Yes, I do. Is that official? That's not official, is, is it? Is it? I got to look that up. <clears throat> there we go. Boom. Let's look this up. Um, okay, yeah, that's not official. But, yeah, I would love to see that. That'd be a fun fight. Do it. And I saw uh, that you were going to call in, Chad, but uh, you, you dropped. I'm sorry, man. We got too many calls today, uh, which is great. You know, I it's it's interesting. There's some, some of these shows where there's really not a whole lot going on is when I get the most callers, which is a great problem to have. And I know some of you guys don't like some of the callers or you think some of the callers are too long. Hey, guys, you know, I, we just go with the flow here. I appreciate all of you for listening in. Okay, let's jump to one more. And then, um, man, I saw um, oh, CJ dropped. A couple of you guys dropped. I'm so sorry, man. CJ with the super chat. I saw you were on hold. You said dropped out of the call queue, but great show, guy. Uh, happy pregnant wife. Happy life. Uh, stay safe out there, MOB crew. Thank you so much, CJ. I, I, a couple of you guys I saw drop. Uh, I'm sorry. We just had too many calls today, but thank you for your support and thank you for calling in. We're going to take one more call and then we're going to call the show. All right, guys, let's uh, let's go to Nacho. Nacho, what's up, brother? Hey, what's going on, Mike? Um, so it looks like uh, Leo Santa Cruz and uh, Lee Wood is official from cool. what they reported today. Do they so have a location? See that fight is going to happen. No, it didn't report the location. It just said that they made an agreement, but it didn't specify anything as far as where the fight was going to take place or any of that stuff. But I'm just happy it actually is going to happen. I thought for a second that Santa Cruz might actually just drop the belt and move on and, and not actually face him, but yeah. I'm glad it's happening for sure. And then... Um, and then uh, the whole thing with uh, Eubank and Ben... Um, I don't know, Mike. I mean, it, it seems like I think Eubank can make that catch weight. I don't really see him having issues, 
But, I mean, do you honestly think that he, he's going to struggle to squeeze down to that weight class, that they're, to that catch weight? I think so, man. I mean, here's the thing about a guy like Eubank. He has fought, I think he's fought at 168, right? Um, 160, yeah. 168. He's weighed, the the lowest he's weighed is 158. That was eight years ago. And he's one of these guys that doesn't have no fat on him, man. Like, where are you going to cut that weight? It's going to have mm-hmm. to be muscle. Guys like him, you got to cut yeah. muscle. You know what I mean? So um, at this yeah. age and everything, he's got to be in his 30s by now, right? He's got to be at least 30. Yeah, he's like in his early 30s, I think. Okay, so he yeah. could do it. He's still young, but he's not that young. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. it, it's going to hinder him a little bit. It is. And, and, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch the fight. I, I'm going to enjoy that because the atmosphere is going to be dope. So it's going to be fun. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially, and I have a feeling that the, the way they're going to promote it is they're going to probably involve the dads. And that'll be great to see the the two old timers talking shit again to each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. So, the promotion's going to be fun as hell. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't mind seeing that again. And then, um, as far as the fight, uh, this weekend with, uh, Lopez and, uh, Campa, I expect Lopez to win that fight. Right. Uh, Mike, uh, I don't really think much of Campa to me. Campa's just a guy. He's a guy with a built up record and he's being brought in for a reason. So I expect him to win. Um, the only thing is I keep seeing these reports where, and I know he talks out of his ass a lot lately, but De La Hoya supposedly keeps saying that he thinks that Ryan Garcia would be a legitimate opponent for Lopez at 140. If that fight was made, Mike, do you, how do you see that play now? Man, man, that would be, that would be a good one, dude. If, if it actually could happen, I'd want to know a couple things. Okay. Um, what location they're going to do that in LA. They're going to do that in Texas. Is Ryan Garcia going to go to New York? That could play a factor. Um, but right now, mm-hmm. dude, just based on momentum, I might edge Garcia because we don't know what to think about Lopez. We haven't seen him in a year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right now he does have all the momentum and 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 like we still have to see what Teal's gonna look like tomorrow. I think right. if he looks impressive tomorrow, then it'll definitely be a different uh, you know, thought process as far as how that fight plays out. For sure. Um, and then just uh, one last thing, because, I mean, I know you've been, uh, you had a bunch of people call in and stuff. So um, the other thing uh, that I was going to bring up was, oh, yeah, you just talked about it right now with uh, Chad brought it up. He mentioned that Frank Martin might be fighting Chris Colbert next. The only thing was I, re- I had read um, on boxing scene, I think it was a few weeks ago, that they've actually rescheduled the fight with Frank Martin versus Ricardo Nunez. So now I'm kind of that. surprised that they're talking about, uh, yeah, I'm surprised that they're talking about bringing uh, Colbert up to 35. So, well, he's got to, he's going to go up know. at some point. Think? So um, I think that'd be a great first fight for him there. And, and I think that'd be an entertaining, interesting fight. I'd like to see it. I mean, either one of those is good, but I kind of re- would rather see him fight mm-hmm. Martin actually move up and fight Martin. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. That's, I, I don't mind either fight, to be honest. I think Nunez could be a solid test, but maybe Colbert moving up to 35 would legitimately 
you know, give him a, a better, uh, you know, give him uh, less problems moving up to 35. Yeah, yeah that too. Because it too. seemed like when he last fought, when it seemed like when he last fought at 30, he looked like he probably struggled to squeeze down yes. to 30. So maybe moving up to 35 might be the right move. So. I think so. All right, Mike. That's that's all it was. Yeah, that, that's that's my call. So I'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks a lot, Nacho. Have a good weekend, man. All right, man. Yeah. You too. There he goes. And then we got another super chat from Sam. Thanks again, Sam. He says, uh, Tiafima Lopez weighed 138 today. He looks great. Yeah, look, I'm expecting and hoping for a for an explosive, um, I'm not going to say breakthrough performance because Tio already broke through, but just an impressive performance. You know, this debut at 140. Top rank knows what they're doing when it comes to matchmaking. and they picked this guy for a specific reason. I expect Tio to look really, really great tomorrow. And then it's going to change people's minds about him. So um, we shall see. All right, guys. Great show today, man. And for all of you that were on the line and had to drop, I am so sorry. Can't get to them all, man. Can't get to them all. I wish I could chat for three hours with you guys. That'd be great. Uh, have a good weekend. We'll chop it up Monday on the neutral corner. And until then, uh, enjoy yourselves. Peace.